Welcome to the PS Younger Self Podcast, where we talk to inspirational entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and creatives from around the world on how we can all crush our fears and optimize our lifestyle to live our most fulfilling lives, and always on our own terms. But before we get into today's exciting conversation about human design, I have to tell you guys about something I'm beyond thrilled to share with you. So, my dear friend and now business partner, Andrea Chavez of Pineapple Woman, and I have just launched Dreaminar Summit. Yes. What's a Dreaminar, you might ask? Well, for one, it's a conscious reminder to live out all of our dreams. And two, it's an innovative event with thought leaders who we are calling Dreamliners, who are all exploring unique and uncommon practices that help us tap into areas of personal growth and mindset, spirituality, and the sciences. So coming off the heels of our first webinar in April, where we produce a not-so-average webinar on altered state of consciousness, we heard from our global audience if we would be producing more events. So then we got into passionately brainstorming and curating an incredible group of thought leaders for our inaugural webinar Summit. And I can't wait for you guys to attend and meet some of these incredible Dreamliners. Join us on June 20th from wherever you are in the world to rock out your Saturday at home agenda because our mission with Dreaminar is to help you elevate your human consciousness through community and shared knowledge. You can get your tickets at thedreaminar.com and oh, we are already recruiting for our July and August Dreamliners. So if you'd like to share your knowledge and speak at our upcoming Dreaminar, and share your superpowers with us, visit us at, again, thedreaminar.com. And now, let's get into today's show, which, by the way, our special guest today will also be one of our Dreamliners on June 20th, so you don't want to miss him then. Hope you guys can all join us on June 20th, and be sure to invite all of your friends who are also unapologetically big dreamers just like you. Now let's get started. Hi, everyone. As always, thanks for tuning in to another episode of P.S. Younger Self. Boy, am I excited about today's episode as we're exploring the fascinating system of knowledge called human design, which I know very little about, but I think will be quite illuminating in helping us individually discover our unique gift and purpose in this world. Because let's be honest, it's a common human desire we all have, right? To discover a true life purpose and create a meaningful life on this planet. But we very often get distracted by discovering it because, you know, this thing called everyday life and conditioning. So to help us shed some light on what human design is and why it's a powerful tool in understanding our true nature, please meet our guest, Euronymous, and I I'm going to need your help in pronouncing your last name. Well, the, the first name is Eurosimos. Eurosimos. And Stylianesis. Eurosimos Stylianesis. Yeah, it's a long Greek name. It's an awesome name, but thank you for helping me pronounce well, it. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. So you're a human design guide, a freedom from self-sabotage coach, and a transformational body worker. And you work with individuals all around the world to integrate various modalities and systems of knowledge to help connect with our true nature and overcome disempowering patterns of behavior so that we can all live our most optimal 
and well-being. Welcome again, and let's get into this human design. As I said, I know very little about it, but and I want to get into like the science of it all, but I want to just note that I'm most intrigued by its notion that it can help us understand our unique purpose and on this planet and that where we were designed to experience. So my listeners, my regular listeners will know uh, most recently our episodes have been really about how we can tap into our most authentic and extraordinary lives by one, understanding our unique makeup, whether it's genetically or neurologically, and then learning that we have more control than we fundamentally think that we have to leverage that knowledge to shape and reshape our lives. And so if human design can tell us from an energetic level, I think, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, what our true gifts are, this is just taking life design to a whole different level. Yeah, I I agree with you. Because I think sometimes, you know, a lot of things out there can be like a one size fits all approach. And we are unique beings. Um, And so, you know, human design is a is an is a system that's a synthesis of ancient and modern sciences. And, you know, I found it to be a really amazing tool to understand yourself, to accept yourself on, on, on just accept yourself in a deeper way. And it's a synthesis of four the four ancient sciences are a nine centered Hindu chakra system, uh, the Chinese I Ching, Western astrology, and the Kabbalah tree of life. And then the modern sciences are uh, an understanding of neutrinos, which neutrinos are known as they're a really, really uh, small particle that can carry information. And they're pretty much, there's like trillions of them passing through your body every second at every moment. And so a big part that makes human design unique is that there's a very unique neutrino stream that passes through you when you're born. And so that's why like the time you're born, the place you're born has a, has an impact because as these neutrinos are literally passing through constantly through the universe, they're passing through planets, et cetera, they're picking up information and then you get streamed, let's say imprinted with that information at your birth. Now that's just one element of human design. There's there's so many there's so many factors to it. The other science is an understanding of the genetic code, uh, the sixty four codon genetic codons. So again, it's the integration of ancient and new, and it's pretty fascinating. Uh, some people call it the new astrology, and again, it is something that's based on your birth information, and it's it's really cool and just kind of helping you, you know, get out of the compare and contrast game. Which in our day in our day to day, especially now with social media, it's so easy to kind of just play that game and be like, well, that person's doing this and that person has that skill or that ability. And I think the more that we can really understand who we are uh, as individuals and and decondition those areas in our lives where we've been conditioned further, like bringing us further away from our true nature can really have a benefit in so many areas. Exactly. I mean, you nailed it right there. And especially in the digitized world that we live in we're so you know distracted by everyone else's image of their lives and then we get caught up in this competitive nature or comparison and which can be really a disadvantage when we're trying to hone into and tap into well what is my true nature right and so i'm so glad you put it that way and i was going to ask you if human design is astrology or a science but you summed it up in the sense that it's this new astrology that combines 
the ancient and new science altogether, which is what really makes human design so unique in understanding yeah. art. Okay. Yeah, it's known as the science to some, the science of differentiation. So that's mm-hmm. a, the way to look at it as well. Got it. So then can you tell us how then does it work to decode our unique blueprint, can I say? Like, how does it reveal what makes us individually unique? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think blueprint's a good word. You could call it your soul blueprint, your energetic fingerprint. I mean, whatever works. Um, It's just that thing that makes you you and that's uniquely you. And so pretty much, you know, there's uh, there's multiple areas on the internet. You can go in and you can put in your information, your birthplace, your date, your time. And then what gets what comes up is your very unique human design chart, uh, also known as your body graph. And on your chart, and now, of course, you know, your listeners, we don't have a, any visual here, but on your chart, there's so many different sections to it. And you can go really, really, really deep with human design. I mean, it's very... It's very complex, but at the same time, you don't really need to understand every minute element of it to have to, for it to have a huge impact on you. And so in human design, when your chart comes up, there are certain key words. And so you're listed as being one of the four types in human design. And by type, they mean there's a specific energy and aura that each type has. Now, some people will say, five types because within the generator type there are manifesting generators but at the foundation there are generators and so to is it okay if i go through them to- please i was going to ask you yeah because i had heard and read that there are five types but you just explained it right there from the from the core foundation there are four so please go into each of them and if you can kind of highlight what makes each of them unique i will for sure so um, I guess I'll start with the generators. Generators, um, which include manifesting generators, but there's a little difference in them. But the foundational principles of the generators hold true for manifesting generators as well. That's why sometimes they're just in a single category. Now, they make, they're the dominant type on the planet, and they make up uh, generators and manifesting generators. They make up around 70% of the population. So you can wow. say they're the driving force of the planet. They're known as the builders they're the, the movers and the shakers. They're the ones that have consistent sacral force energy, which again, when you look at your chart, there's a center called the sacral center, which is what determines whether or not you're a generator or a manifesting generator. And that's having consistent life force energy available to you at all times. And so they're like, you know, they're the driving force on the planet. And within human design, each type has, or I guess each chart has the type, which again, there's generators that I just mentioned projectors, manifestors, and reflectors. Now, projectors make up around 20% of the population. And I didn't mention this earlier, but generators' strategy in life is to respond to life. You know, their, their, their strategy is to respond to life and through their response, find satisfaction and frustration. So if I'm not being clear here is what, what I want to say is that each type has its own unique signature. It has its own not-self theme. So when, when you're not living in accordance with your true nature, there's a mm-hmm. certain not-self theme. There's a, there's a quality to it, an, uh, an emotion. Uh, and there's a, an inner authority as well for each chart, which is your unique decision-making process. So I know that was a lot of information. So if you have more yeah. specific questions, just kind of chime in. Well, I would love to dive into each one, but I think we need to kind of finish going through the types okay, and then perhaps the strategies for each. Perfect. So 
you mentioned the generators, which make up the dominant population, I guess, the the group, 70% on this planet, and they are the life force energy. They are the doers and the movers. And then yeah. the projectors you were getting at are the 20%. And how would you describe who a projector is? Sure. And uh, because I wasn't clear, I'll go back. Generators, all generators, what they really crave, their signature in this lifetime is they crave satisfaction. Uh, great okay. satisfaction that's like the most important the most important thing that determines what a generator is and if they they don't I think I'm a generator but go ahead mm-hmm. you are a generator ah, yeah. we'll get to that later all right there Just you, go. you are <laughs> okay yeah that's awesome i am as well i am a i'm oh. a i'm a pure generator like you uh, obviously there's manifesting generators but we're pure generators and so the um the not self theme of the generator is Mm -hmm. frustration. So when you're not honoring your design and you're not living in accordance with your design, frustration is what's called the not self theme. So, so can I ask you then? Okay. Okay. So this is incredible. So then if I want to ensure that I'm constantly aligned with my authentic self, if I catch myself in a frustrated emotion and being that should be my trigger to be like chris listen to yourself right now you're gonna go off path make sure that you are finding that satisfaction in order to make sure that you're always following your true path and authentic self yeah that's it for generators the kind of inner gps is frustration when you find yourself being frustrated it's like take a step back and see well what's going on in your life. Maybe there's a decision you made that wasn't ideal or you're pushing through something, whatever it is, it's different for each person relative to their environment, relative to what they do, relative to their emotional life. But frustration is that signpost to go, okay, I'm operating not in accordance with my true nature. Mm. And then wait, wait. So then what would be the strategy? So the strategy for generators is to respond to life. We're here to respond. What does that mean? Yeah. Well, what it, just that means, mean? it just means like, like respond to people inviting us to do things, responding to our environment. It's just, we're, we're here to respond. We're not always here to, let's say, as manifestors to in- initiate. It doesn't mean we don't do things. It just Got means it. We're, we're responding to our environment. We're responding to things that are going on internally. We're responding to conversations. So mm-hmm. it's, it's just a, it's a different way. I know, I know sometimes these strategies for people, when I talk about them, they can be a little tricky, especially with, projectors the projector strategies to wait for the invitation so people are like wait i'm supposed to just wait around and not do anything but it, <laughs> it goes a little you know it goes a little deeper than that but generators yeah they're you're, we're here to respond to life and then through our response is where we hopefully find satisfaction and avoids frustration mm, got it okay. and generators like speaking of the type our aura we have an open and an enveloping aura generators that's kind of the energy that, that we mean? that we put out. It's an aura is kind of just like this energetic that we put okay, out, yeah. open no, and enveloping. Open and enveloping. So we are very open type of energy. We we embrace. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And people are drawn to us in that way. There's, there's an enveloping quality. Um. So that's the basics for the generators. And if we move on to the projectors, I touched upon about mm-hmm. them being a smaller percentage of the population. They, um, what they care most about in life and their signature is, uh, success, or I would say, uh, even recognition. 
They crave recognition of all things. And then if they're not being recognized or if they don't find success in their life, their not self theme is bitterness. So uh. bitterness, and it doesn't mean that, you know, you or I might not feel bitter at times, but it's not our go-to. It's not our main like mm-hmm. frequency. So even when I first found out about this, when I heard about projectors, like I was like, oh, bitterness. Yeah. Like I don't, I mean, that's not really like a, a main thing for me. Frustration is, is my main go-to. So, um, and then they have a focus in absorbing aura. And uh, yeah, their strategy is to wait for the invitation. So it's pretty much projectors, you know, they, they are recognized for their abilities and their skills. And then they are invited to give their gift, or give their skill, provide their service, etc. So it's a very, um, you know, our culture and our society, I don't think really understands this idea of waiting. And so a lot of projector, I find a lot of projector children, they're conditioned to like, behave like generators and maybe manifestors and so it takes a little time for them to you know decondition from this process and to really understand that they don't have the consistent energy source that project that generators have uh that sacral center that when you look on on a chart um the sacral center is colored in uh for a generator it's not colored in for a projector and that just means that they you know, they can have energy, they can have bursts of energy. And especially if they're honoring their design, they do, but they don't have the same kind of staying power that generators have. And so they need to manage their energy better. That makes sense. Yeah. But can we expand a little bit for and get a little bit more specific for, for me to understand as well as hopefully some of our listeners who may be projectors or discover that they're projectors. So their strategy is for wait for the invitation. And you alluded to in the, in the beginning, it's not just sitting around waiting, right? So can you be a little bit more specific than like, what does that mean? Wait for an invitation, like be open to identifying opportunities and then. Yeah. yeah, Open to identifying and also like being open to, living in this world of, of invitations where you're out and you, and you've, you, you have, you've worked on your craft, you've worked on your skill and you're being recognized for it. And then once you're recognized for it, then you're able to come in and with all your, all your power and energy, give your gift in the world, whatever that is, you know, it, obviously that our gifts run a very large range, but, um, but that's it in a more in a basic level. So a lot of projectors who try to initiate, 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 they can run up against resistance. So a lot of this, yeah. a lot of talking about all these different types is that when we come upon resistance in our life, a lot of the times we're not honoring our design. And obviously, I'm talking about just our type here, but there's so many different aspects to a, a chart, um, which we'll probably touch on a little bit later. There are your centers and there's your inner authority, which is your decision-making process, which we can touch on later as well. So it's really about, are you honoring your design? Are you coming up, up, are you coming up against resistance? Are you experiencing your not self theme, which again, for generators is frustration for projectors is bitterness. And then what are you doing? How do you pivot to make the different changes in your life? So you can experience the thing that you want most. Mm-hmm. So what was the aura for the projector? I think I uh, projectors have a focused and absorbing aura. So they're really, really, ideally they love one-on-one stuff. It doesn't mean that they're, they can't mm. deal with groups, but they just have a real focused and absorbing aura and projectors take on energy. Uh, they absorb energy more than some of the other types. 
So if someone's a projector, having a certain specific maybe self-care practice, self-care ritual um, on cleansing the energy from your body, from your system can be really powerful. Having alone time to kind of be in your own space and your own energy uh, is really, really important. Oh, amazing. All right. So then what would be the, the next main type? I would say we'll talk about manifestors. Manifestors are about 9% of the population. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're the only type that are like, are the, they're known as the initiators of the planet of the universe and they can catalyze all the other types into action. And there can be really, really strong and focused and, and forceful, um, energies that like kind of when they walk in the room, it's just like, because their aura is a closed and repelling aura, it kind of pushes out. It can mm-hmm. be, re- it can be really intense and they're, strategy in life is really to inform because a lot of times they can just go forth like a tornado, but they're not informing what they're doing and they can get, people can resist that. And so it's important for them to inform because their signature in life and what they crave more above any other type is peace. Peace is what the manifester wants and their not self theme is anger. So if they're not informing and they're getting resistance, they from let's say the people around them from their environment anger is their go-to uh, i would say emotion but it's called the not self theme in human design so they crave peace and ultimately if they're informing they can help avoid the resistance that's going to bring up anger in them mm. and one of the biggest lessons to learn is is to really understand their impact on other people and i say that i grew up with two manifestor parents so that's extremely unique so I mean, you figured that out afterwards, right? You didn't. Yeah, I I figured this out, I guess, several years ago when I first was introduced to the system. And then when I knew that about my parents, well, especially my mom, when I went back home for a holiday, I completely understood her even better. Because another thing about human design, it's not just about understanding yourself. But if you have this information and you understand other people, you can have more compassion. And again, you can get out of this, like, you know, as human beings, very often we like want other people to be like us. It's like, well, why are they doing the things that I'm doing? Why don't they think the way I think? Why don't they operate how I operate? But by understanding that, you know, we're so different and it's, it's something that it can kind of create a lot of more like freedom and peace in you to just accept people for who they are. And doesn't mean like accept someone who's fully damaged and treating you horribly because that's, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that like when you understand the depth and nuance of people's energy and how they operate and how they make decisions, it can be really helpful, I found. Yeah, no, that's actually a really good point about how it's not just about us, but it can really help to form a stronger understanding and basis for a relationship, whether it's in you know your family dynamic or your romantic partner or even friends. I think it can absolutely be a strong um, way to help build those relationships and understand and put yourself in the other person's shoes and perspective. Because as you say, we get so caught up in thinking, well, why don't they understand me? Why aren't they like me? Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, it's like my wife understands human design as well. And, you know, she's a projector, I'm a generator. So just understanding that the foundational differences in, in energetic blueprint not even to mention just the differences, certain differences in the charts has really supported us, supported us in 
understanding each other more, accepting each other more, how we, how we deal with one another, how we speak to one another. So it's really a great tool for cultivating deeper connection uh, and a deeper bond and partnership as well. Mm. So what would, I don't think we got to the strategy for the manifesto. The strategy is to inform. Ah, uh, to inform. inform. Okay. Inform, inform, inform. Because they can just go off and just, they're like a tornado. And if they're not informing, whether it's the people around them, their family, their coworkers, their employees, etc., that they can get a lot of resistance and they crave peace above, above all else. That's their that's the signature of the manifesto is peace. Peace, yeah, because they cra- they crave that. That's what they are looking mm-hmm. for. Yep. Okay. All right. So I believe we're on to the last human yeah, type. The last type is, let's say, I don't want to say the anomaly, but reflectors. They um, they make up just one percent of the population. Wow. And so they're really rare. I happen to know three, which I think is kind of rare. And if you look at a human design chart, that their entire chart is undefined. Uh, there's no definition, which again, that's a technical term, but it would be completely white. Just for anyone that ends up looking up their human design chart, if they see that it's completely white, that means that they're a reflector. And they're, um, yeah, they're just an interesting, an interesting uh, type of humans. And their their strategy in life is to wait a full cycle. This gets a little esoteric, but wait a full cycle of the moon before making decisions. Now, maybe not small decisions, but like any major decisions to, to use that time because they just need more time to make decisions. And they have a, their aura type, like the, like the generator was open and enveloping, the projector is focused and absorbing, and the manifestor is a closed and repelling aura. The reflector's aura is a, a re, like a resistant and sampling aura. aura. So they kind of they kind of dive in and sample things out and they're they're learning they kind of reflect back to us elements of ourselves and what they crave the most in life Mm -hmm. which again comes from this kind of resistance resistant and sampling aura is they crave more surprise they crave crave surprise in life and less disappointment so i know this might be confusing for some of your listeners but it makes sense when you, when you pull up your own chart and then you understand this, or if you, you know, get a reading with a human design person, um, it's, it gets much more specific, but that's it in kind of general nutshell about the, the four types, the main types. Yeah. I think I actually know a reflector. Yeah. Cause one of my friends, she's an energy healer. She's the one that actually first told me about human design. I had never heard about it. And she told me that she's a reflector. I oh, believe wow. Cool. The, the very, very, very rare kind, and to her it made sense because she's also she's an energy healer, yeah. and so she can actually like reflect. I think I might be kind of butchering how I'm explaining this, but like reflect off of see what other people are are feeling and seeing and, um, yeah. and feeling because she does like healing work with energy. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you're butchering it. Now, again, doesn't mean that only reflectors are are energy healers. It just means that yeah. that is a quality, you know, they're reflecting back. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a really, uh, I mean, it is a unique type. It doesn't make one better or worse. Um, in fact, I think being a reflector in the world, you know, might take a lot, you know, it might take a little time because our, our culture and our society maybe doesn't operate on that foundational level of like waiting a long time to make decisions. And it's up to each person to really get in tune and figure out 
what works for them. And human design is one tool to do that. Other people love astrology. There's other esoteric systems. I find human design to be really powerful uh, to help us understand who we are as unique beings, how to make decisions in life, which is the inner authority, which we can we can talk about as well. Yeah, I actually would love to go into inner authorities because you kept referencing it throughout the description of these types. So can you expand on that a bit? Yeah, the um, just keep it simple. The inner authority is your decision-making process. Okay. And um, the one thing about human design, which is really interesting, is that the mind is not an inner authority. The mind is just there to take in information, to analyze, etc. It's not actually the aspect of us that should make our decisions. Our decision-making uh, comes from a much more embodied place. And I say that in regards to, you know, there are, I believe, are six, six authorities. Um, the main ones that we'll talk about are the uh, emotional authority, which is if the emotional center in your human design chart, which is the, the bottom right triangle, if you're looking at a chart, is colored in. I actually have them pulled up, the one that is mine, actually. So go ahead. Cool. That, that's colored in. So you have an, an emotional authority of, yeah, your inner authority is your emotional solar plexus, uh, which means that anyone who has that colored in, first and foremost, in their chart, just as a general rule, it means that you have definition there. And what definition means is that it's consistent and reliable. It's a, it's a main aspect of, you, of who you are, where you always have uh, access to it. And being emotionally defined, like yourself, me too. I'm emotionally defined as well. It means mm-hmm. that we're always, we're always existing. We're always living through emotional waves. We always have emotional waves. It doesn't mean that like, it could, mean, it, could mean, <laughs> yeah, it could mean we experience the highest highs and the lowest lows. It just means, you know, we could be a little bit like moodier. We could experience the highs and the lows and we're always shifting through waves. Does that make sense? Uh, yes, yes, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so what that means because of that and having that defined in your chart it kind of trumps any other potential authority. Uh, it makes you and me and anyone else with that colored in an emotional authority. And what that means is pretty much that you should never, I say should never, but it's not ideal uh-huh. to make decisions when you're at the height of your wave or the low, or or at the low of your wave, that it's ideal to get to a place of emotional clarity first before making any decisions. That makes sense. Okay, and so that, then, how do we know? Do you know the answer to this? And how do you know for someone like us? And you just said for someone like us, it is best not to make a decision is a very important one when your emotional state is super high or super low. So when it's more center, I mean without being, I guess, obvious, like when you're angry, you know, you're angry when you frustrated, when you know, you're frustrated, but how can you know well, when it's this is, right this, emotional this, state? This is part of life. Like, um, is this kind of trial and error process and experimentation, especially when people find out human design, it's like, great, you, you know, certain elements of your design. And then it then begins the process of practicing, understanding your type, understanding your strategy. And with the emotional authority element of it, it's having enough of a self-awareness, an embodied awareness, you know, where you go, okay, like I'm, I'm in a, a heightened emotional place right now. 
I should probably wait to make a decision. I should probably wait till my emotions settle before I make a decision. Wait till I get to, let's say, an emotional still point. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know what? I actually love the way you put it about how what I'm trying, how I kind of distilled what you just said is that with something like this, whether you're taking a personality test or this incredibly profound chart and blueprint here of human design, that we get data. And this is like in in marketing, my my other feel is like is marketing is that when you have data, it's not just in the data, it's your responsibility to distill that data information and put the work and like you said, self-awareness and and go through trial and error, right? So that we know how to best put this data and information towards, you know, actualizing and living our life as opposed to just relying on the the information the data to have all the answers yeah it's true and listen a part of a part of you know moving more towards living the life you want to live and having a a fulfilled life and a fulfilled career and fulfilled relationships i think first and foremost starts with self-knowledge you know Mm -hmm. knowing yourself understanding your patterns understanding your conditioning looking back to your you know your past and being well how were my parents and how did that reflect me and how did I get conditioned from my environment you know what I mean so like human design to get you to go inwards and have more introspection and to be like okay well these things aren't working out in my life or I haven't attracted a partner that I want or I'm not doing the work that satisfies and fulfills me or whatever whatever it may be and it's just one of those things to really go inwards and, and understand like what works for us and what doesn't work for us and so knowing yourself is the key. And with an emotional authority, it's, it's very important that, you know, one of the limitations of the emotional authority is that if you allow your, your, like the things you really, you're really passionate about and you really want and, and, and to make your choices for you, if you allow those heightened emotional states to make your choices, it can. And I've seen it lead to a lot of years of, of regret and maybe making the wrong relationship choices, or the wrong career choices. So for someone who's an emotional authority, they go through the waves and that's awesome. Feel the waves, go through the ups, go through the downs, and yet get to like a still point to make a decision. So that might be waiting 24 hours. That might be waiting 24 hours to make a big decision. Um, something I actually tell, I tell people human design, that are emotional authorities, and I am as well, is that let's say you're really fired up and you're hanging out with someone. They're like, okay, in two weeks, let's do this. And you're like, yeah, let's definitely do it. That sometimes might not work because if you're on a, on a wave, you might come down and when the time comes like two weeks later, you're like, oh, I don't really want to hang out with this person. Or I don't really want to, I don't really want to. Uh, oh my God, I think you totally described yeah, exactly what I've been through before. And I think I, yeah, I find myself sometimes when, sorry, I totally got uh, cut oh, you off oh, there. But, off. I, I like this interactive process because that's but, what you're yeah, because you were totally describing me, and we basically uh, realized that we have some similar types here. We're both generators yeah. and have a um, inner authority of emotional. But I am totally guilty that, like, when I get excited, I get super excited, and sometimes I find out afterwards, oh my god, was I too premature to act on it because I did it on my state of excitement, and I just tell everyone, whether it's all my friends or, you know, when I was in the corporate world, I remember I had what I thought was a brilliant idea and I would run into my boss's office. And then, uh, you know, later I uh, realized it was probably better to 
think through and have it all written out, but I get super excited in that state and just want to share it and act on it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And the key is the acting on. It's cool to have the excitement to go through that process and to feel it. But then once you settle, once you give it time to settle, where are you at there? Where do you then, where do you then feel when you tap into your gut, which again, this is what uh, makes us generators as well. I didn't go into that, but we have, we have the sacral, the gut response, which is another authority for someone who doesn't have the emotional center colored in and is a generator, then their authority is the pure sacral gut response, the uh-uh, uh-huh, the either yes or no um, gut response. Now, because we're emotionals, we have to wait to get emotional generators to be more specific. We have to wait to get to a still point before we tap into that emotional gut response, yes or no. Does that make sense? I think so. So let me so let me try to understand. So in order for us to really understand that this is something that we should act on, we should see if we have that gut check. Of- well, yeah. The, after we get to a place of emotional uh, still point, emotional clarity, okay. we yep. have that capability within our chart because we're generators that yes. we have that sacral, that gut response, that like okay. that uh-uh or uh-huh. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we should check with our gut. Yeah. Check with our gut. Yeah. Okay. But that, again, but because we're emotional authorities, that actually trumps the sacral. And so we have to not make sure we don't make major decisions when we're at the height of the wave or the, exactly. low, the low of the wave. And the other thing about the emotional authority is that even, even though we, we get to find our emotional clarity, one of the limitations is other types m- might not understand that our need to make that we need time to make decisions. So that's pretty much a thing for emotional authority. We need a little bit more time to make decisions. Other types, they have a different type of um, mechanism within themselves to maybe make quicker decisions. Yeah. Oh, so I should tell, you know, anybody that I, that is expecting something from me, whether it's my clients or friends or give me some time. It's a great thing. Is And you don't even, and the, the cool thing about human design is when you know this stuff, you can just word it in a way where the person doesn't even know, like, you know, like that you're, that you're like, what are you talking about? What's your authority? Like for me, when someone hits me up and says, and says like, yo, you want to hang out next week? And I was like, cool, let's tentatively put it on the calendar. Let's touch base the day before or two days before. And let's see how, see how, you know, I'll see how I'm feeling because I'm just yeah. clear, clear with my communication. Cause I understand that, understand that about me because I've had so many history, so many times in my past where I've, I've committed. And then like the day of or the day before, I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't, this doesn't feel right for me. And, yeah. And you know what? We, and that right there, what you just said, just comes right back to just being self-aware. The yes. more knowledge we have of ourselves, and then understanding every aspect of what makes us, us and our reason of how we need time to react to something or, or anything else. And then the way we deliver that communication, we can do it confidently with self-assurance because we just know that's us and it's not in any way to put anyone off. Yeah, exactly. Again, it's just, it just allows people to also be able to set boundaries, to take space for yourself, understand yourself, which is, I think, a really important key to communication. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so then are there any other key authority types that you want to highlight? Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about the two other ones that are the main ones. Um, The one I mentioned was the sacral authority, which is the pure, um, these are generators and manifesting generators that don't have the emotional center uh, defined or colored in on your chart. 
And that is, again, that's that inherent gut response. Like almost like you feel like a rising in the belly that leads to like a, uh-huh, uh-huh. Like you're, you're really excited. You're fired up. It's like right there. It's in, it's coming from your, it's coming from your gut. And, or that kind of like, uh, I would say lowering or it's just kind of not moving. And it's just like, uh-uh, this isn't right for me. No, uh-uh. You know what I mean? It's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. It's very, it's very kind of visceral. It's in the body. It's not a mental process. That's why I keep saying like a lot of these authorities are really understanding yourself on a deeper level, but beyond just the mental place, more of a, a, a physical, emotional, embodied place. And so, yeah, so they have this, the generators and manifesting generators have that sacral, the sacral response. So it's really important for them to tune into their gut, tune into their gut response to find out what's right for them or not right for them. And again, it's a process because a lot of people can be conditioned out of their design by their parents, by society, etc. So it's, it's, back, it's like coming back home to yourself and understanding yourself in a deeper way. The other authority that um, I would say emotional and sacral are the two most popular. Because again, generators make up 70% of the population. So that's they're either going to be an emotional generator or they're going to be a sacral generator. And the other authority is the splenic, the splenic authority. It's a, it's a small percentage, but I see it often. And it's pretty much, uh, it's depends on your definition. You either, you are of a certain type, you can be a projector or a manifester and you don't have the sacral center defined and you don't have the emotional center defined. And the splenic type is the fastest decision-making authority process in in human design and that pretty much is that splenic types must connect to that that immediate instinct immediate uh Mm -hmm. i don't don't want to say thought but it's you can say intuition but intuition can be used for like uh for any one of the authorities like the sacral is the intuition for the generator type you know us getting to an emotional still point and then tapping in brings us more more intuition but for the splenic type, they, they make really quick de- – well, ideally, they make quick decisions. If they allow things to get into their mind and they start weighing out the pros, the cons, should I do this, should I need to do that, it's almost too late. And when I've talked to uh, clients of mine that have a splenic authority, they very often they concur that like they'll go into a room or they'll be on a date with a person and they immediately, they immediately have a feeling – and a lot of times they don't honor that. They'll, they'll go against that, that instinctual response and then allow things to kind of fester in their mind. Like, I don't know, I could date that person. I could not date. I don't know. Maybe I should. And very often it could lead them to um, relationships or careers or activities that aren't serving their highest purpose. Hmm. Wow. This is just so fascinating. So I'm curious, does our environment per se have any influence let's say in one human type thriving in a certain environment over another um it's hard to say i it depends you know it depends it depends so much on the chart it's not really just like a certain uh, type you would have to be like taking your whole chart as a whole and then understanding that and then how you would then move forward within any given environment. Does that make more sense? Yeah. Because again, where you're open in your chart, which is the centers that aren't colored in, 
um, that's where you can that's where you can be conditioned in life. And so to give one example is that, and we'll just keep it simple because yes. design can be complicated, is that since we've been talking about the emotional center, you and I have that colored in. So we're always existing. We're living through emotional waves. It could be small waves, but we're always living on a wave. Now, people who don't have that colored in, the potential, I don't want to say the negative, but the when you have an open center, you can be conditioned to live out other people's emotional waves. So wherever you're open in your chart, you you want to kind of go through this process of, of like, well, what what is mine? What's not mine? Does it belong to me? Does it not belong to me? And that takes time. That takes introspection. That takes building more self-awareness because people with emotional, who are emotionally undefined, who have an open center, they very often feel a lot, especially if they're around a lot of people that have emotional centers defined and those people aren't expressing their emotions. So as an example, let's say you have a family and in that family, the, the mother, the father, and one of the children are emotionally defined, but they live in, a, they live in an environment or in, within their family where no one really talks about what they're feeling. They kind of keep things pushed under. That's and my family. You, de- you described my family. Okay. 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 Go with it. Well, let's say there's another sibling, another sibling that is emotionally undefined, that doesn't have that colored in. Then what that means is very often, and I've seen this before, is that the, the, the person with the undefined center in their human design chart, the sibling that doesn't have the defined center, very often is considered the most emotional. Because the family's emotional centers, their waves are conditioning the open center of the other child. So this is more it's really nuanced and it's really cool to understand, especially when you're in partnership. Because let's say you're in partnership and one person has emotional definition and the other person doesn't have emotional definition. It's really good to understand this with your, with your person. It's mm-hmm. understand like, oh, wait, wait, th- these aren't my emotions. I'm, I'm, I'm filtering their emotional wave. Their emotions are, are, are kind of conditioning my open center. So a lot of human design is the, in the simple way is understanding open centers and defined centers and knowing that the open centers are receptive and receptive to conditioning. And so it's not a bad thing per se to have a lot of open centers because you, you and me as well, it's interesting. We have a lot of similarities. We have three defined centers in our chart. Two of them happen to be the same and then six undefined centers because there's nine total centers. And so where we're open, yes, it means we can be influenced and conditioned through our environment. But over time, when we understand ourselves in a deeper way, we actually can cultivate a lot of wisdom through these open centers because we realize through this process of maybe being conditioned in certain ways relative to our chart, we realize, okay, what's right for me, what's not right for me. And there could be a lot of wisdom. It makes us also more open, literally more open people. Whereas people who have a lot of definition in their chart, they're a little bit more fixed and more like consistent in their way of being. Wait, so what, what, what what are those types that look more defined? There's not types. It's just a chart. Because the chart, okay. Be a projector and have seven, eight centers defined, and someone can be a generator with with two centers defined. 
So it doesn't really, these are where I, where you go into the different aspects of a human design chart. You have the type we talked about, you have the inner authority, which we're talking about. We have the strategy as well. And then within your chart, there are nine different centers, which correlate with the nine, uh, which correlate with nine chakras, I guess you can say, but they're, they're nine centers. And they're the crown center, which is the top of the head. And then there's the mm. mind center, also known as the ajna. Then there's the throat center. Then Got there's it. The, self, the ego, the emotional, the sacral, the spleen, and the root. There are the different ones there. You know, obviously, within a 50-minute hour conversation, we can chat about it. But there's, there's so much more nuance. Oh, my God. There's so much more in-depth than I thought. I thought human design was just understanding that we are one of the four types but absolutely not that and that's and how can we how can we figure out that we all have our unique special gifts if we are just categorizing these four types right no it's these really in-depth nuances and the permutations of every aspect of this chart that makes us specifically unique yeah, because again, you may share certain qualities with other projectors or other generators, but your profile is going to add a, a completely different wrinkle. You know, the profile is another one of the key words, and the profile is kind of like the costume you wear in life as you're as you're exploring the role you play in life. Like it's an it's an aspect of your personality. You know, which we won't we won't go into that you know today, but it's just another big piece. And there's twelve total profiles in human design. Oh, I was going to ask you, can, can you expand a little bit, like just very briefly, because I'm reading my chart here. It says profile four out of six. Like to me, unless you helped me understand what that means, I have no idea what this four out of six means. So the the four six is known as the um, the opportunist role model. So that's like the profile, these numbers they correlate with the uh, the different lines in the in the, in the hexagram in the I Ching. I won't get too complicated there, but they yeah. reflect a different element of things. So one is the investigator, two is the hermit, three is the martyr, four four is the opportunist, uh. five is the five is the heretic, six is the role model, and they work in different combinations to have twelve total. So the four six is known as the uh, the opportunist role model. The the first number. The main number is comes from your 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 personality. It's something you're probably more aware of within yourself. You could also say it's more conscious. The second number is more the design element of your chart, and it has to do more of your unconscious. Now there there's a whole way to talk about how this number comes into being and how your the personality elements of your chart come into being and how your design elements that you know that that's for another conversation. But the okay. opportunist is someone who you know, is really all about understanding like their networks and connecting people and, and uh, appreciating their networks and providing opportunities for themselves and for others. And then the six is the role model, but it's more unconscious. And actually the six has, to keep it simple, three, they say three different stages in life, but mm-hmm. we'll focus just on the first part that all sixes in human design, no matter where it falls in their profile, that their first 30, 30 years of life, they're actually operating as a three. And the three pretty much is like all about trial and error. The, the three line is like the first 30 years, you're kind of just living your life. You're, you're bumping into things. You're trying things out. You're making mistakes. You're, 
you're getting into relationships that maybe don't serve you. You're doing a job or a career. You're just kind of feeling things out. And then ultimately, now it's not the same for everyone, that then they graduate to another stage and then another stage. But, but the main aspect of the three is this trial and error process. And actually, another amazing thing for human design, real quickly, is I think one of the most important uses for it is to understand children. Is that if you understand a child's human design chart, that you can raise them in a unique way. You can understand their unique gifts, their unique energy. And especially with a child that has a three line in their design, like what the one thing, the advice that I would give that parent or that person to talk with children is that have not to um, make mistakes a bad thing, that that's how you learn. Now, of course, everyone learns from mistakes, but generally speaking in human design, from a more specific standpoint, a pattern in the life path of the three is this idea of making mistakes and learning from those mistakes. So if you can encourage a child like, oh, wow, it's amazing, you know, like this is how you learn as opposed to beating them down and being like, you know, why did you make this mistake? Like, you're so stupid. You know what I mean? That could really impact a child's development and their self-esteem and their sense of self. You're right. That's really profound, actually. And I'll be curious to know if any like child therapists or maybe even in school, if they could, you know, leverage human design information or even just at home and parenting, like you said, like how profound that could be in, in helping to understand and, and raising our children in, in our environment. That was a really, really interesting point. But I well, I got super excited and I didn't want to interrupt you, but when you my like my jaw literally dropped when you said something about the number six in our what what is it called? Your profile. Profile. my profile and you said something along the lines of typically someone with a six they usually are, are three up until their 30s and then and then they kind of go in through this new chapter or phase right mm-hmm. um so why my mouth dropped is because and this actually is a perfect segue into this last question i wanted to ask you but I got my natal chart reading for the very first time two years ago at a very pivotal point in my life when I was about to make this life-changing move to Europe. And I mean, I was always interested in astrology, but never got my natal chart reading, had no idea there's so, you have so much more than your sun sign. But anyway, you kept saying this amazing astrologist kept saying that, yeah, you're a Pisces, but your, your big signature is Leo. I'm like, all right, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. And she said, and your North node, which I later discovered, and you probably know this a lot more than I do, but it has to do with your, your life purpose. Mm-hmm. She said, it's in Leo. It's in Leo. I'm like, all right, what, what does that again mean? And she kept pointing to the fact that up until now, you were in this trial and error stage. But this next stage in your life, you it's calling on you to tap into your life purpose and you're at the vanguard of of something or you need to be at the vanguard. And I've just been, that was just profound information. I didn't know how to interpret it except for the fact that I knew I was in this pivotal point in my life where I was going to make a a life change. But, and now I feel like I truly, truly have tapped into, especially with this platform, this platform where I'm bringing incredible thought leaders like you and people to share all this knowledge about our consciousness. And so I thought it was very interesting because that kind of ties into what you said about if you have a six, 
you're kind of going through life for the first 30 years and t- and then later on going in or discovering your next chapter or going into your next chapter. I yeah. mean, that's how I interpret it. No, it's true. And it's awesome. I love that you had a, a natal chart reading. You know, I've, def- I've had a few in my life and they've been really helpful. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of carryover and crossover and um, obviously astrology is a part of human design and I don't know astrology on its own, like super, super well. I know general aspects of it. And I just think that's amazing that you got that insight and uh, there's some correlation here with human design as well. So that actually was going to be, and I think maybe you probably kind of hit it right here, but is there a way, Erasmus, where we can take our human design information and uh, most effectively tied into astrology, like whether or not you've had your natal chart or personality tests. You know, there's tons of personality tests. And is there a way, how can we, for someone who wants to constantly go on this path of self-discovery, self-improvement, and, and discovering their life purpose, take all these elements from different modalities to pull out the all of that key information is there a way yeah i think it just goes back to what we were saying earlier about like this life journey that like when you make the decision that you're not only going to focus on the external world that you really want to put the intention on your internal world and and knowing yourself and how you why you are the way you are and why you've had maybe some past wounds or or things have happened or traumas in your life or things didn't haven't gone well like I think when you start turning to some of these ancient systems and this knowledge, I think it could be a benefit. And for me, I've been interested in a lot of these, uh, I use the term esoteric, but like, because not everyone knows about them, these systems. And I just kind of take bits of information and see what resonates. And a lot of times they carry over, whether it's my astrology reading, the first birth chart reading I got was 13 years ago, and it had a huge impact on my life. And then I got, you know, introduced to a little bit of numerology that I thought was fascinating. And then there's another system that's really out there that I'm a little trained in and I actually use sometimes with my clients. It's, it's a system based on playing cards called the Book of Life. That's fascinating. I, have a, I actually have a, someone who's a friend of mine and uh, someone I learned about the cards from who lives in New York City. And he's considered an expert in it. His name's Alexander Dunlop. And he wrote a book called Player Cards Right, the Sacred a sacred guide to life on earth. And thus really cool too, because you realize that a deck of cards isn't just a deck of cards. It's based on symbols and numbers and mathematics. And it goes back thousands of years. So that's another thing. And then you have the Enneagram, which is really cool. And you have Myers-Briggs and you know, like I'm an ENFP in Myers-Briggs. So I kind of, I can't say that you take it all and then you come, you put it into like a computer and then it comes out with this thing. I think it's up to each, each person that like, that if you're interested in self-knowledge and you're interested in personal growth, that you, you tap into these systems and you understand they're just information. You know, sometimes people can right. go, sometimes people can go like they read an astrology thing, like, well, this is who I am and that's it. And I think that could be limiting. So I think the more you can open up to this information and allow it to land and to meditate on it and contemplate it and see where it resonates in you and see where it relates to your life and your relationships and your career. I think that's where you're going to really, it's juicy. It's this, it's like a dance with this information and it's, it's not so static. It, 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 you know, not what? just black and white. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you play said it. It's like and this your life dance. Is art. Right. Your, life is an art. Your, your life is a, is a piece of, 
are. And actually, one of my favorite quotes is, the most creative act you will ever undertake is the act of creating yourself. And so how do we create ourselves with the choices we make, with the knowledge we gain about ourselves through these different systems, through psychology, through reading books, through the work we do, through our interactions? Like, I'm just, I'm just passionate and I love personal growth. I love healing. I love self-knowledge. I'm, I love education. And that's why I do what I do. Yeah, well, no, I can totally hear the passion in that and so appreciative of you sharing that knowledge of yours of this esoteric science that I feel like it needs to be so much more um, out there and, and people really tap into because I think it sounds like such a powerful piece of information that I've definitely gleaned a lot from even just in this conversation. But I always say, I like how you said that, you know, life is in art. I always say that we are the artists of our own masterpiece. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And so I could not agree with you more. So I have to ask you, because this is a very important question I ask all of my guests, if you can go back into your younger self, Osmos, what would be that one piece of advice you would tell him to always remind him to live fully in the present and always on his terms? Mm. Oh, what a good question. This is so good. Oh, it's interesting. Younger self, it depends how old too, you know? Um, let's see. You're absolutely right. doesn't matter. You can go back to even your younger self yesterday. I would say, listen more. Mm. You know, I think that's because I know myself. So I think when I was younger, I think I, I could have listened more and at the same time, understand and and know your worth and know your power and live from that Um, and can, and continue to be curious which I've always been a curious person, but I think I would have stressed that even more, like continue to be curious about knowledge, about information and yeah. And listen too. there's a lot of wisdom out there. Don't think, you know, everything. Ah, you said it so well, such beautiful words. I I love the whole listen more. Absolutely. And curiosity is something that really hits it deep with me too. I think that it's, my core curiosity, my deep, deep drive of curiosity is what drives me forward to constantly evolve because I'm always seeking more because I'm curious that there is so much more than what I know today. And I know I don't know everything. Oh, no, I'm right there with you. Thank you. And gosh, this has been such an interesting and eye-opening conversation. I know that we can get a lot deeper, but if we, my listeners, because I know they should be all going to you to get their human design reading and analysis. Yeah, I would say it's a human design reading. I give real powerful introductory readings for people and yeah. Yeah. Or if they want to get into learning more about the other incredible work that you do in uh, body work and life coaching, please tell us where everyone can find you. Yeah, well, the, the, my website is really basic. It's healingwiththearosimos.com. Um, but I would say the best bet is to shoot me an email, uh, healingwiththearosimos at gmail.com. Healingwiththearosimos at gmail.com. And that's, this, that's also my Instagram, at healingwiththearosimos. And you know, like I, like you mentioned, you know, human design is a main element of what I do, and I do really unique transformational body work, and I really support people with my coaching on how to overcome patterns of self sabotage. And so, I like to integrate all the three when I work with people in my programs, or I work with people individually if they just want a human design reading, a body work session, or coaching. 
Yeah. Incredible. Thank you for yeah. thank you so much for having me on. Of course. No, this was such a delight. It was such incredibly powerful information. Um, and I can't thank you enough. So I really appreciate it for spending your time with me and my listeners. Thanks. Yeah. All the best with your, with your podcast and your journey and the work you're doing. It's pretty awesome. And thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of PS Younger Self. It really means a lot to me that you're spending your time with me. So if you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or just about anywhere you listen to your podcast. Leave me a review. Tell me what you think. It really helps me get more valuable content to you guys. So until next time, take care and remember to always live your life on your own terms.